Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and undoing the programming within us. Let's find your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. Today, I'm excited to share the mic with a dear friend of mine, Bill Rancic. Many of you may be familiar with Bill through his work on the hit TV show, The Apprentice, where he was the season one winner and stayed on for several seasons as a judge. He has written several books, is heavily involved in real estate, owns several restaurants, is in the wine business, and is a highly sought after public speaker. Bill and I have gotten to know one another over the past several years during our summertime spent up in the Northwest. What started out as a couple of guys that would say hi and exchange pleasantries when we would see one another has really blossomed into a special relationship. You see, Bill is one of those guys that can get real and share those things that are really challenging for him in an effort to move through them and grow. And though he's very well known publicly, there is nothing guarded about Bill. So it's an honor and a privilege to welcome on my brother, Bill Rancic, to The Great Unlearn. And for the record, Bill's more than kind words about me in the beginning of this episode were not a paid advertisement, though they may seem that way. Uh, But for real, it meant a lot coming from a guy that I personally hold in such high regard. So enjoy the show and thanks for listening. Much love, y'all. So welcome, Bill Rancic. Thanks for joining us here in Austin, Texas. Um, What are your initial thoughts about your visit so far? Uh, well, first, thank you for having me. And uh, I've known you for a few years now, and I'm so glad you're doing this because out of all the guys I know, uh, you're the one guy that everyone comes to for advice and for wisdom. And they always say, what a great guy Cal is. <laughs> and I've not met anyone who isn't just immediately enamored with you and, and just thinks the world of you. So um, I'm glad you're doing this because I think this is going to be beneficial to a lot of men out there who are going to listen to this. So uh, I congratulate you. you on that. And my initial visit to Austin is I love it. You know, I've been here a few times, uh, usually just in and out. You know, I was here, I think it was in April for 24 hours for a speaking event, but I've never really spent any meaningful time and I've never really toured around. So today I spent the whole day touring around with our, our mutual friend, Ben. And uh, it's, it seems like a really cool uh, city with a great vibe, great energy. Yeah, that's been, you know, we've been here a little over six years, as I was telling you earlier, and it's just been, that's been our experience is the people um, here really make it. I mean, there's a lot to do, right? It's beautiful country, the hill country, but, but even as you're trying to find your group, right, your tribe, your people, there's just this sense of comfort here that that everything's going to be okay. okay. Right. Even if it's just you, G and Duke making your way around the city for months or whatever, Mm -hmm. like you, you just know you're in a good place. People are very friendly. People are doing their own thing. Um, they really do keep it weird here. You know, it's really, Mm -hmm. Um, what I've loved is I love how we kind of stand out without having tattoos, right. Or piercings. Mm-hmm. Like it's really, <laughs> you know, every, everybody's welcomed here. And it's, um, I think we felt that from the moment we got here. Um, and then more recently just being able to find, you know, each of us, both Peyton and I finding our, 
men and women that we really connect with has, has really taken our experience here to another level. So it's been, been really cool. And but this is your forever place, you think? For now it for is. For now, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know um, that there's really right now a better fit for us. Mm -hmm. Certainly where the kids are in their ages. And um, I mean, the Austin airport isn't like O'Hare where you can get everywhere, but mm -hmm. I'm okay connecting. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's a really low, um, low maintenance airport yeah. and um, the food there is awesome too. Yeah. So and there's live music, I think. I, yeah. I heard today. Yeah. No, it's, it's very, uh, it's a very manageable airport. Mm -hmm. And when you're coming to a paradise like this, mm -hmm. you don't mind connecting. No, that's you know, right. And you've got great weather. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that we share is that we both have lived in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, Chicago has great architecture and, and great food. But at the end of the day, it's the people that makes that city. And I think that's, it's very similar here in Austin. You know, it's, it's a cool city and it's got great food and, you know, you've got a, a lot of great benefits. But at the end of the day, if the people aren't good, I don't care where you're at. You're not going to want to live there. And there's some amazing places in the world that I've been to that I could never live in because of the people. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna name names. Yeah, no, and we won't <laughs> go there. But let's um, let's back up a little bit. I want I want the the you know because I know a little bit about your background. But let's mm -hmm. share with with the audience here kind of your upbringing and you know maybe uh, a few things that really stand out for you um, that help shape you to who you are today. You know, I, I think. My parents, for one, I think that was very important. Growing up, you know, for me, it was okay to make mistakes. It was okay to have failures, uh, but it was never okay not to try. And I think that's something that I really want to instill in my son because I think today in the culture we're living in, so many parents are putting such tremendous pressure on these kids to always be a winner, to always have a perfect score. Um, and that's not realistic. And therefore, these kids are no longer trying anymore. They're, they're just they don't want to venture and, and experiment new things because they're not going to be perfect at it. And, you know, for me, that was really what made me grow and made me, you know, the man that I am today. And I, and I see some of these kids, especially on the coast where I was uh, somewhere recently and I saw a seven-year-old kid and his parents had gotten him a quarterback coach. Hmm. You know, it's $250 hmm. an hour and this quarterback, hmm. you're the kid's seven. And I thought to myself, oh my Lord, like, you know, he has to work out with a quarterback coach three days a week and he's seven years old. I just don't, for me, that doesn't work. You know, I think you gotta, you gotta feel your way in the dark. You gotta fall down. That's what, that's what builds you up. Um, and I had a great, uh, my great grandmother, my, my grandmother was great. I should say, um, my father's mother, she was very instrumental. And I spent a lot of time with her. Um, and she was an entrepreneur herself. She had a little, uh, corner meat market when, you know, when she was younger and, and she kind of, instill that entrepreneurial spirit in me. And I used to spend weekends there a lot when I was a kid. And when I was 10, uh, I was at my grandmother's one day and she was, uh, I'll never forget, she was in the kitchen making breakfast for me one morning and I wanted to learn. And she taught me how to make pancakes. And I spent all day learning how to make different types of pancakes. And I, I just was in that kitchen all day. So I woke up the next morning and I invited all the old ladies who lived on my grandmother's block and I invited <laughs> them to come over for a pancake breakfast. <laughs> and they loved it right? This 10-year-old kid cooking these pancakes, serving them this, you know, breakfast. And I don't know how good the pancakes were. Uh, but when they left, uh, I was clearing the plates away from the table and each one of those ladies left a $5 bill underneath her plate. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, hmm, you know, I'm onto something here. <laughs> uh, so I took the money and I, I put it in my pocket and, and I didn't say a word to anyone, my sisters or my mom or my dad. And uh, the week went by and Friday afternoon when the school bus dropped me off in front of my house, I went running in the house and I demanded that my mom take me to my grandmother's for the weekend. 
And this went on for like five or six weeks. And then my mom found all this money hidden in my sock drawer. And, you know, she demanded to know where all this money came from. And I had to fess up that I was running a makeshift restaurant out of my grandmother's house. So she shut that operation down immediately. You know, she claimed I was fleecing these old ladies out of their social security checks. But uh, that was kind of my start, you know, and, and it was really because of my grandma and she encouraged that. And then my parents encouraged it as well. Mm. And so um, if you could take one lesson from your experience of growing up with your grandmother, mm-hmm. you know, what what would that be? I mean, if you could go a little bit deeper than obviously she was an entrepreneur and 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 provided this, you know, kind of uh, the kitchen and yeah. the 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 atmosphere for you. Like, what do you think was the one thing you took away from your grandmother? Well, she she always I always asked a lot of questions. I was very inquisitive, and she never shut me down. Mm-hmm. Right? If I wanted to learn about something, she ran with it. If I wanted to learn how to make pancakes, she she took the time, um, and that's what I do with my son Duke. Like mm-hmm. he if he wants to learn about planes, I take him. You know look at planes and we go to the airports and, you know, I really want to feed his hunger for knowledge. And I think that was one thing my grandma did with me and no question was too silly, you know? So she always encouraged me to ask a lot of questions and not just with her, but with anybody. Um, and I think that's something I see in my son now, which is great. He has no fear. He'll walk up and he'll go in the cockpit of a, of a United plane and talk to the captain and say, where's the landing gear and where's this? And, and sure yeah. enough, he, he just, he can go in right now to any airplane and tell you the thruster, the landing gear, the altimeter, and he's, he's seven years old no. because he loves aviation. Yeah, and, and I'll just attest to both you, um, you are still, you still have the curiosity. And so I know that you and I have had tons of conversations about working out yeah. and some other things, you know, some working in principles that, that have been maybe more common lately. But your son, Duke, like that kid, when you guys walk the loop and yeah. come by our house, he's always got great questions, yes. you know? And Your I always, fence. Hey, right, <laughs> right. And it was just like, yeah. he just goes deeper than most any other kid. And you can tell that he's taking it all in, mm-hmm. you know? And, For sure. and I've always, you know, I appreciate, um, that was something that Peyton really instilled in the kids and would always answer their questions. And so I don't know that I always would have been as open to it, mm-hmm. but just watching, you know, my wife show up for our kids that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she loves nothing more than when Duke comes by yeah. with mom and dad yeah. and yeah. he's just got all these questions. Uh-huh. Right. And wow. so super cool. But um, we talked about this earlier. The reason I, I thought it was important to have you on is you're a guy who's been super successful, right? You're in the public eye. People have seen you from The Apprentice um, and, and very, you know, written books. You do a ton of speaking engagements. We were having dinner this summer and, um, you know, I saw a guy, right, who had all these, who has all these things going for him, but, but was taking a step back and looking around and he was starting to question things. Um questioning maybe some of your own beliefs about how you were supposed to be, you know, as a father, as a husband, as a man, um, maybe other people's ideas about what you're supposed to do, right, at, at, at your age. And um, you were asking a lot of questions to me that reminded me of, of a similar change that I've been going through, right? And I loved it, you know, and I thought, um, you know, not to say that there are right questions and wrong questions, but I really appreciated that you, I felt like you were going down the right path. And, um, you know, I'd be interested for you to share w- w- with the audience just 
kind of what's been going on with you, uh, maybe what what life was like as Bill Rancic the last five years, you know, what that maybe looked like and how you're wanting to shift it. And then maybe we'll talk about why you're wanting to shift it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll go even further than that. I'll go back like the last 15 years, right? Where I was, you know, I was, I I'd started a business, I sold the business, I got on The Apprentice, you know, I was, I did six seasons of that show, you know, I started out and I won the first season and I became a judge and I spent, you know, 10 years living on the road. You know, I was traveling anywhere from 150 to 250 days a year. So I was literally on an airplane several times a week and, and running, you know, and gunning. And that was kind of the competitive person that I am. And I think it's a real, uh, it's a struggle because what makes you successful or what makes you uh, find success in whatever you're doing is that competitive nature, right? In most cases. But when it's time to downshift, you have an internal struggle happening because, you know, you're not, you're not running the race as fast as you can or trying to articulate this properly because I've never really talked about this before, but it's definitely, you, you enjoy certain days where you're not as busy and, and not doing enough, but then you also have the, the other guy on the other shoulder saying, you know, you need to get out there and what are you doing? You're on the sidelines, mm. you know? I like to play the game. I'd rather play, you know, football than watch it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I think a lot of people are like that. Um, so for me, you know, I still have that struggle today because I'm not working as much as I as I did. And that's by design. I mean, ever since our son came into this world, uh, it changed everything, you know? And, and we had a hard time um, having a child. It took us many, many years, you know, to have a son. So I think I appreciate, uh, appreciate that gift much more than most people do. Um, so I said, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be all in on this. Um, and I was fortunate. I had a great father. My, my father passed away in 1999 when I was in my twenties, but he was very hands-on. You know, we went to breakfast three or four days a week, you know, when I was a kid, he and I, so he was, uh, he was there, he was present. He showed up. He was a guy I could count on. Uh, and, and that's really my goal for my son. And there's a great song and I, I let my son listen to it. It's by Zach Brown and it's called my old man. And if you guys, you know, you want to Google it one day, go ahead. But it's, it's about a, a father who raises his son and then his son becomes an adult and then his son has a, a son of his own. And it, it, the, basically the theme of the story is, you know, I'm trying to raise you the right way, the way my father raised me. Um, and, and that's really, you know, it's a song that I make, Duke and I listen to all the time and he loves it. And I explain to him, you know, why it's an important song to me because my dad, you know, did a great job, I think, raising me and I want to be able to do that for you. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, kind of, yeah, no. Kind of going I, I, in a million different directions. No, and I, I think, in, well, that's, I, for me, I think that's the beauty of where you're at. You really, it's uncharted territory, right? Yeah. And so you're trying to articulate it. You maybe don't have the words for it, but there's like this pull, I think, right? Yeah. This is what I've recognized, and I could be wrong, but this guy who has been in the match, right? Mm -hmm. The game, he's yeah. been running the race for as long, since at least since you were 10, you know, maybe <laughs> well, before yeah. that, right? I right, mean, in some yeah. way, like there was a game there and you saw this and you saw it in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and now maybe those things, right? Which, I mean, there's patterning going on years and years and, years, and there's been a lot of reward mm -hmm. for these accomplishments, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, recognition, fame, money, like whatever, all, all, all yeah. the things that come with that. Right. And so 
Um, I, what I saw was someone that said, well, those are great and they afford me a lot of opportunities, but if I'm doing all that, then it, it maybe is taking away from some other things that, as you said, your, your yeah. relationship with your family right. is very important. Right. And so you're like, how do I do it all? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what you're recognizing is there's a downshifting. Right. And so it's challenging. You know, I've, it's something that I've been through to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got out of trading, n- not at, I wasn't at the height of my game, you know, business wasn't great. I wasn't making that much money relative to how I had before. Mm-hmm. And so it, it almost- Well, that industry had changed tremendously. No, course. for sure. But yeah. it was like, it made it, it, it made it my exit much easier, right? And I also believe that I had the chapter two figured out, which was like going to get into fitness coaching. And I did that for a little bit, but it was more like a holdover until this kind of period of two or three years of really trying to figure out what that looks like. And so I've been in this space of um, not knowing yeah. um, and have have really kind of surrendered to that in a way that's been, it's been beneficial for me, but you know, the, the, the ripple effect is that I'm more connected to my wife, my kids now. I'm there. I'm not. Well, you don't let your career identify you. And I think that's where a lot of men have trouble is that that's their only identity. And when that's gone, they have nothing. And I think that's a shame because at some point it's going to end for all of us. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So you better figure it out sooner rather than later, because if that's all you can identify, or if that's all you are is your career, then that's a pretty sad life, I think. And it happens, right? Of it course. happens because yeah. you're, you're, you're like, you're, you're just taught from a young age that success looks like this, right? And it's all kind of the same, unfortunately. And it all has to do with money yeah. and the accumulation of things and homes yeah. and, and, and all that. And so a lot of us throw our hat into that ring. And, and if we're lucky, right, we yeah. have success there. Um, and, you know, I think what's, what's, what's been cool is to see your consciousness wake up to that, right? Yeah. And say how do I balance it? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's hard. It's hard. And, um, well, th- I think gratitude is one. And we talked about this briefly, but you, you have to have gratitude. You have to appreciate the present. You have to appreciate, you know, the journey that you're on. And, and I, before we started rolling here, I, I said, you know, when I was growing up, my mom always would say the train doesn't get in the station. So you better look out the window and enjoy the ride. And I think that's very important. And, you know, when you climb the mountain, most people, they get to the top of the mountain and then they look at the next mountain and they say, if I could only get to that peak, then I'd really be happy, God. And then they get to that peak and they want to get to the next one. And they never stop and look down and say, man, thank you, God, for letting me get up to here. This is amazing. They don't appreciate what they've accomplished. They just want to get to the next bigger and better thing. And that's with career too. It's, it's money. God, if I could just make a million dollars, wouldn't then I'd really be happy. Mm-hmm. And they get the million dollars and guess what? God, if you could just get me to two million, then I would really be happy. Mm-hmm. And it keeps going and going and going, and they never find happiness. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and there's a there's a famous study um, that 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 basically states that you know we have our basic needs, right? And once those basic needs are met, right? And so if you're living in poverty, that's that's a different story. The, the happiness meter is is generally on the lower side, but 
once you get to middle class and above, the more money you make does not equate more happiness. It's basically the same across the board. And so, I mean, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, those things can be motivating, right? I want to make the next whatever the number is, right? And so it can keep you on there. And there are times when it can serve you really well, right? To grind, to put your head down. But if there's never that step away and to look around and and to understand, I mean, again, speaking from my own experience, I know, I know now, I didn't know at the time, and it wasn't too long ago that I was so focused on doing the things uh, like on paper as a dad and as a husband, you know, making sure I was providing and I was, and I was there, I was at my kids' games or I was picking them up at school and making sure I was doing all those things that optically you were supposed to do, it, but you weren't present. I wasn't, there was yeah. a missing connection yeah. to the whole experience. Yeah. I know, I know so many people who do, they're just checking the box. Yeah. Yep. And you think like, and, and, and you're getting praise from people mm -hmm. and they said, you're a great what dad. A great you're dad. Great. Look at yeah. you, look at all this, this time you're spending with yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. But like all the while there's yeah. other stuff running in your the background. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and we were talking with your wife, Juliana, about this earlier. It's like sometimes or oftentimes or certainly almost for me, almost every time I need to live in that world kind of on the other side of the tracks where, where I'm kind of fucking it up to understand that when I get back over and I can see where I was it's like, oh, yeah, I was there. I have an appreciation for being there. I have a greater appreciation that my family unit's still intact, mm -hmm. right? Um, but having that um, as a reminder of like where, where I don't want to be. And sometimes, you know, for whatever reasons, because we are human, like we're trying to do the best we can, mm -hmm. right? And so we do slip into these modes where we're not as present as, as we want to be. But as long as we have the awareness that we can come back to it, right? And, 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 Everybody has their own modes of kind of coming back into presence. It could be meditation. It could be getting into cold water. It could be breath work. It could be going for a walk in nature. It could be having your shoes off in the grass and the sun. Like everybody has their ways or should have their ways, right? To, to root into that presence, you know? And that's, you know, one of the reasons for the podcast is, is um, I think for a long time, I never had those things. And as over the last couple of years, as I've learned about them and I've experienced them and played around with them and figured out the ones that work for me. And sometimes they work for me, you know, this week and something else is going to work next week. And, you know, so I'm trying not to be too rooted in exactly what I should be doing, right? Just really playing off what do I feel like? What is going to bring me back to the, to the here and now? When you were... Uh going from, you know, the, the grinding phase to this new phase, did you ever have, did you ever hit a bottom? And if you did, what did that bottom look like? Mm -hmm. Cause I think a lot of guys out there, you know, were too macho to talk about this. Like, ah, oh, you know, you can't hurt me. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm bulletproof, you know? And, and I, that's not real. I mean, every guy, you know, has highs and lows and, and that's a fact, but what was, what did your bottom look like? I'd say I'll pick one of the bottoms because mm -hmm. <laughs> there, there, there were several, um, but two years ago, and I've spoken about this before, but summer of 2017, you know, up up enjoying our summer. And um, 
I know this now on ref, upon reflection, but I, I was just not in a good place and I didn't realize it. And I wasn't sure what I should be, you know, what I was called to do. You know, um, I had some ideas about what I should be doing, but what happened is we, we, we get up to Idaho for the two months and my mentality is, well, I spent 10 months in Austin with the family. I'm going to spend the two months with the guys. And so I played a ton of golf Mm -hmm. five, six days a week. I had been sober for eight or nine years and I had started drinking casually Mm -hmm. that summer. It, tipped over into more than casually. It was like every time I was on the golf course, having three or four drinks, cannabis, whether it was an edible or something like that. Hey, just to take the edge off while we're playing golf. And it was like every day what I was doing was numbing. Yeah. Now, if you looked at my Instagram, and you can because it's still all there. <laughs> yeah. I keep it there as a reminder uh-huh. of what can happen if I lose sight of, of, of why I'm here, mm-hmm. right? I was doing some pretty cool shit. Mm-hmm. You know, our friend JJ is, yeah. it was a joke that summer. It was like, I was on JJ's make a wish list. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, he was taking I saw me you on the helicopter. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I got to do all these cool things. Right. I played golf with MJ was in a helicopter with him. And I played <laughs> golf with like a bunch of the, the PGA guys. Just, there was like six or seven of us. And, Went to the Mayweather-McGregor fight. We had great seats. It was like one thing after another, right? And it was like, oh, man, like what a yeah. life. Yeah. But like just emptiness they inside. Weren't happy. It didn't make you happy. No, and, my, and, and, you know, Peyton would be the first to tell you that it was just, I was not, uh, I was not, she was not attracted to the, the guy <laughs> I was becoming. Yeah. You know, so I would come home from these experiences. I was met with that that wall from her, mm-hmm. you know, I'm coming and thinking I'm pretty cool. Like, yeah. look at the shit I'm doing. Yeah. Look who I'm hanging out yeah, with. Right. MJ. Yeah. yeah. And it's, she's like, no, you're, you know, you're going to come back to earth. You're a part of this family and you know, you're going to, sh- and, and, you know, again, it was more passive than that. <laughs> um, but that was the message. And it wasn't until, um, that was the summer of 2017 October 1st of that, that year I was in Las Vegas for the shooting mm-hmm. and, um, you know, for the, the route 91 fest mm-hmm. and, um, that moment, you know, I was, was there with a friend of mine and as the shooter was shooting, like we were hiding behind a couple tour buses with a, with, with a bunch of other people. Wow. And, um, and again, I've spoken about this before, so I'll kind of get right through it. But I, I had this notion, like I this, if someone comes around the corner, yeah, this is it. Yeah, there's no one going to defend us, right. and so I just surrendered at that moment. Like this is, this could be it. And um, when it wasn't, something changed in my subconscious or unconscious. I, I'm not kind of smart enough around that to figure out which it was, but there was something that shifted in me. This is two years ago where I started to wonder what, like, why was I there? Because I had done all the things I was supposed to do that they told me to do as a kid. Mm -hmm. I'd accomplished all those things and I was largely unfulfilled. Right. And it didn't make sense to me until I started to meet people 
who are on a similar path of finding out why are they here? You know, and I've, I've spoken about my friend Kyle Kingsbury um, often, but he was like the first person I met after that experience. It was two days later that opened me up to this world of, you know, how to live in the present moment and what different modalities can get you there, right? Whether it's breath work, you know, cold water, psychedelics, there are any number of ways to crack open into that. And I just went headlong into all of it. I needed to know because I needed answers. Um, And so I guess to answer your question, that was kind of my rock bottom. And I was fortunate again that Peyton, um, though she was basically at the end of it, she's like, I can't, like, if this is what it is, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it anymore. You know, I got that kind of ultimatum. And being as unconscious as I was at that point, I was like, I don't understand. Like, I I don't really, I don't understand what where this is coming from. But intuitively, like, I knew something was Wasn't wrong. Surprise! I just couldn't figure out how to fix it. Yeah, and I didn't realize that I was I was such a broken person at that point, mm-hmm. and I was looking at all the wrong things. I was looking for instagram likes or these Mm -hmm. these golf trips or Mm -hmm. i was finding it in the bottom of a you know glass of wine or in a you know an edible or whatever you know anything it was in fitness too like i went you know balls deep into fitness and that's just another wave it was another way for me to distract and escape and so again fortunately i i've kind of lived to tell about you know metaphorically that that we you know, Peyton and I made it through that experience. Um, and it's been growth. But it was a close call, it sounds like. Where it was really close, yeah. you know? Like, if, mm-hmm. if you know, if I'm not in Las Vegas and have that, you know, that really that shift in my soul yeah. that I didn't even know was happening, right? That questioning of, like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not to accumulate things. Because yeah. I've done that. Yeah. And it's, it's look, at, look at me now. That's not the answer, right. Yeah, so... You know, and I'm curious about you. Like, what's something like for you? Where were you maybe? Because um, I look at it like I know now that like I, I look at it like I let myself down or I let people down, but it's all part of the growth. And I think the one of the biggest lessons I've learned is this: self forgiveness is the thing that will carry us through. And you need to be kind to yourself in moments like that because. I was just broken. Yeah. I was doing the best I could yeah. with a broken spirit, mm-hmm. you know, and, and acting in ways that I'm not proud of. Yeah. Um, but that's where I was. Right. That's what I, those were the tools that I had at that point. And so, I mean, what's something that, that, you know, for you that, that, you know, like, fuck, I really wish I handled that differently. Well, you know, that's a great question. I mean, you know, my life, my dad passed away when he was in his mid sixties and I was in my twenties. And that was for me, uh, obviously life changing. And he was, he and I were very close. I just started to make money. And, and it was funny. I took him on a ski trip when I started to make some money. And cause my dad loved skiing. Like that was every year he planned an annual ski trip for me and my three sisters. And that was like, he looked forward to it all year. So I took him skiing and make a long story short, he fell, hurt his back. We found out that that wasn't, the back wasn't hurt because he fell. It was the cancer and he had mm. cancer that had spread. So you know, I made a vow to myself that, you know, I'm going to let my dad live vicariously through me after he passed away. And, and I, I seized every opportunity. 
you know? So that was why when this opportunity to come on The Apprentice, it was crazy. I would have never have done that, you know? And to be on a reality TV show, it was like insane, right? This is in the early stages of reality television. This is in 2003. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to start doing things. I started developing real estate. I started just to do things that I, you know, why not? What's the worst that could happen? And that for, for me really changed my life. You know, it was um, something that uh, I think about every day. And you know, if I do die young, I want to make sure that, you know, I live every day to the fullest and that I don't have any regrets. And I think that's what's helped me downshift a little bit easier, you know, because, you know, I'm 48 now and, you know, I always do the math. If my dad died at 65, you know, like it's pretty simple subtraction. Mm. Um, so for me, that's important. And it's important to make sure that I don't have any regrets um, and that I look back and that I've achieved the life that, that I wanted to achieve. And not necessarily from a financial or a materialistic standpoint, but um, more from a fulfillment you know, where I, I've been able to make a difference in the world. I've been able to, you know, use the gifts that I've been given um, and, and be a good steward with those gifts. And I think that's important. Um, but certainly I've had ups and downs, you know what mm. I mean? Um, uh, not uh, where I've been, you know, knocking on death's door, so to speak. But, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of highs and lows. And um, certainly it's been, you know, the older I get, the harder it is sometimes when you're facing change and, and having to adjust, um, you know, you, you definitely, uh, for me, you know, it, it's, you know, you get a little anxious, you know what I mean? I definitely, as I get older, I, I get a little anxious since I become a father. Um, you know, I felt the pressure of that a little bit in a good way. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, like, like you did, I've had to change, you know, the ways and I'm not doing boys weekends or boys trips and things like that. You know, it's, it's, we're doing things as a family and, mm -hmm. and I love it. You know, we travel together a lot and we're constantly, if I'm on a work trip, we all go together. Mm -hmm. Or if Juliana has a, a trip, we go together. Um, and I think it's made us stronger as a result of that. And, and it's certainly good for our son. You know, he's an only child. So, um, you know, we struggle with a little bit of that, the guilt, like he doesn't have any siblings. And, you know, this was God's plan though. And I mm -hmm. think you talked about surrendering and that's what I do a lot. You know, I, and the more I do it, the more at peace I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, God, if this is, you know, what you, what you want for me, then I got to live with it, you know? And, and I believe in a higher power. Um, you know, everyone has their own version of who that is. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, for me, I, you know, I think that uh, there is someone bigger than I am. Uh, and I, I surrender to that God and, and you know, hope, hopefully he'll guide me. And, and I know he will. And, um He's never let me down so far, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes you ask where the why is though, right? Mm -hmm. When you're going through those hard times, you know, why, why? And, you know, eventually you, you figure out the why. I remember when Julianne and I were having uh, trouble having a baby, you know, we were like praying one night, like, why God, you know, we're good parents. We're going to be great. We're going to, you know, we're hardworking and we're going to be able to provide a great home. We didn't understand the why. Well, it turns out that along our journey and we were going through IVF and all these different, you know, ways to try to have a child, uh, we discovered that Juliana had breast cancer. And um, long story short, after they had done all the surgeries and all the, you know, treatments, uh, her breast cancer was what's called estrogen positive. So had she been able to get pregnant, right, at the time when she was 36, um, it would have fueled that cancer because when you get pregnant, your body just blows up with estrogen. Um, and we later figured out the why. 
but we were so angry at God and we didn't understand. And we were, you know, why us? Like, why is this happening to us? Well, you know, as I joked to Juliana, when our son was born, I said, you know, he's going to be able to get away with a lot of mischief because, you know, whenever he gets into trouble, he's going to say, mom, I saved your life, yeah. you know, because you really did. And, and I think being able to be patient and surrender and, and not necessarily expect to figure out what the why is in the present moment, I think is very hard to do, but it's important to do. Yeah. And I love, I love how, how you talked about surrender. And I think that uh, as a, as a, as an entrepreneur, as a man, as a, like it surrenders a, a hard one to wrap your head around, especially as you're younger. Right. But I think as we become more conscious about the why, right, the why we're here, right. And everybody has their own version about why they're here. It becomes so important to, to embrace that notion of surrender. And it's hard. It's hard. Right? Yeah. Because we want to control. Yeah. Control feels good, yeah. but in, in a lot of ways, it's this false sense of security yeah. and we're not controlling shit. We just think we That's are. Right. That's right. But it's, um, you know, that this, and it is, it's surrender to just allowing things to unfold as they are and to look when there, when there is hardship, right? It's hard to look back and say, well, what, what was that for? Generally, we don't learn much when things are going really well. No. We think we're causing the all the zone. good shit yeah. that's happening, yeah. right? It's on us. We're yeah. smart. Yeah. We're smarter than everyone else. We outwork everyone. And there are these stories we tell ourselves about why things are happening, right? But a lot of times things are out of our control. Yeah. I mean, sure, we have some agency over it without question. But I do I appreciate that you brought that surrender piece up because, again, as men, I don't think we it's almost like a dirty word in some ways well it goes against the way we were raised for the most part especially yeah. our generation you don't surrender boys don't cry you don't you know what i mean you're not allowed to show your emotions no i mean that's just how it was when we were growing up for sure yeah. at least where i you know growing up in chicago it was you know that was not part of the program yeah and small town maine the old yeah. man he wasn't putting up with any of that yeah, girly right, stuff right that's right you know yeah. but but all, you know it's interesting <laughs> i was uh, or at least i find it interesting i was on a, i was on a retreat in south africa this summer yeah, i remember that yeah yeah and i was with some some guys who had achieved a lot right and um it was a group of six of us and uh the word content came up you know and and i think for me I had, you know, I had gotten to a place where I had felt so connected to my family and to myself and how I could show up for those in my life, right? Family, friends, strangers, because I had gotten to that point where I was really content. You know, I just felt joy um, and I hadn't, I had had bits and pieces of it. And so I had asked one of the guys, he was kind of a hard charging guy and, and um, from Silicon Valley mm -hmm. and done, done, yeah, yeah. done a lot of really cool things. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what, you know, like, what does content feel like to you? Because he was thinking about, you know, his, his boys were like seven and eight and he's like, maybe we'll just take the next 10 years, go live in New Zealand and, and have an experience. You know, I'm like, okay, so what's keeping you from that? Like what, yeah, like what? I like that idea. Right. And he, he, he was this notion that being content, right. Was settling, was giving up, you know, and, and, and I mean, everybody has their own definition of what content means, you know, and I think I probably would have said the same thing five years ago, 
You know, but I, I, I look at him, right, as a guy who had plenty of means and who professed his deep love for his family, like in articulating that this was a real option, but really struggling with it. And I could just see the struggle being because he wasn't creating something that was going to be a successful entrepreneurial deal, which is part of his essence as well. But it's like, you're... I was trying to explain, but you're not getting those 10 years yeah, back. You're not, so you've planted the seed, yeah. brother. Yeah. Like, that's it. What happens, right. right? If in 10 years, you know, this this thing you're doing, right? This new project blows up and is successful, okay? And you make all this money sure. and da da da. Like, now what? Kids well, are 17. Yeah. They're gone. And it's like, yeah. I, I, I just wanted to put yeah. the mirror up, like, brother, like, you're at yeah. least considering this, like, I want you to really consider what it would look like in yeah. 10 years if you choose, chose both paths. And the, the path with the, the business is like, you hit it out of the park, yeah. like really play that one up. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what's that really, what's that money? And sure. There's some accomplishment and feeling like you created something, but is that money going to be able to replace that for you? Well, and it sounds like it's not going to have a material impact on the guy's life. No, I mean, it's, you know what I mean? So that's crazy. Yeah. And that's unfortunate for his kids. Yeah. So I'm hoping, yeah. you know, I'm hoping that, that I, that that's that little nugget, that little mm -hmm. seed I put in there will maybe, will maybe shift him. But yeah. one thing I was thinking about in, in, um, in the lead up to us sitting down was I, I know you do a lot of public speaking mm -hmm. and I'm curious, a, like what, what, you know, if you could just kind of distill it down what the general message is, mm -hmm. right. Um, and I know it varies from group to group, mm -hmm. but you know, kind of what it looks like right now and, and what maybe it might look like in five years. You know, if you could really, um, what you would want to experience in the next five years, right? Mm -hmm. And then have that be what you're sharing with, with these men and women. Yeah, so I do a lot of speaking, you know, mostly to a lot of sales teams, small business groups, um, you know, you name it. Um, and, and for me, it's really about business, you know, and it's about how to achieve your goals in business and, and, you know, some of the things that have worked for me and some of the things that, you know, cause failure for me. Um, so I love to talk about what not to do because I think so many people just get up there and, and the, a lot of these speakers and, you know, they write great books, but, you know, they've never talked about when they've fallen down or, or what are mistakes that they've made that they've learned from to become better, you know, at their craft. Um, and the one thing I've learned, you know, the hard way is that, you know, I always say you have to think like the, like a conductor. And what I mean is you have to think like the conductor of an orchestra and the conductor of an orchestra has all these expert musicians in his or her pit, and they play their instruments to absolute perfection. Now the conductor himself or herself is not an expert at playing each and every one of those instruments, but he gets them to play perfect music and harmony together. And, and in business, the ones who are in that rare air, they have that mindset. You know, they check their egos at the door and they don't try to play every single instrument mm. because the music won't sound so good. And, you know, at least from the people that I've dealt with over the years and I've met some of the greatest entrepreneurs our country has ever, you know, seen, um, that's the one takeaway that I've found is that, you know, they find the, the best people who can help them with social media or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And they surround themselves around people who are smarter than they are. Um, and he gets them all the play their music in perfect harmony. Um, and that's the one thing that, that I've learned. And, and I, I really learned that kind of the hard way. I learned that um, 
from doing a lot of people watching. You know, I think you can learn so much good and bad from people watching. And, you know, when you, when you can learn from what you don't want to look like in your life uh, and also what you want to look like. And as I said this earlier, a lot of people want to look like Cal, Mm. you know, you don't hear this, but I hear it from, because we live in a community together for four months a year. And a lot of people are, you know, they want to be like you. What's um, so funny too, right? Think, uh, think back two years ago, right? Right, right. Is, who wants to really look like mm-hmm. that? And and that's that's the facade, though. That, right? Yeah. You so know, they're on your Instagram, and yeah. But but I think more so, I think there's an, a certain authenticity to you, and I think people can see that right away. Mm. Um, and there's something about that where a lot of people that we meet, you know, right away that it's it's just a it's a, a, a facade or a sham. And I think people feel like they can talk to you and get you know real guidance and real advice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a real gift that that you've been given, um, because there aren't many people who have that kind of energy that you have. Um, and I think you, right, you'd agree, Ben. Ben's in the room Thank here. Um, and this is a paid you hear the same thing that I hear, right? I mean, everyone, right? I mean, that's just not—it's common knowledge. But um, so that's one thing. I, I think it's important to. Uh, think like a conductor, it's important to check your ego at the door. And I think a lot of people let their egos get in the way and that really stunts their growth. You know, they, they want to feel important and mm. they want to beat their chest and, you know, they want to be able to be the person that everyone comes to when there's a problem. And, you know, that's great, but you're never going to really get to where you want to go. And this just isn't in business. I think this is in every aspect of your life. Um, you know, you can't do it alone. Um, and fortunately, you know, I'm in a lot of different businesses, right? And I keep going back to business, but I'm, we're in the restaurant business. We're in the wine business. We're in the clothing business. And, you know, I never knew anything about the restaurant business, but I found the best guy in the yes, country that is. Fact. I don't know anything about the wine business, but I found one of the best families in the United States that imports Italian wine mm. and I partner with them. And you find people who are really good at their craft, right? And this translates into other aspects of your life, Right. With its, whether it's with family or, or, or your friendships, you know, you want to be able to make sure that you are able to get good guidance and good advice. And you want to surround yourself around people who are going to tell it to you straight. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think the higher you get in life, and I hate using this, but the more people are going to just tell you what you want to hear. Mm. It's and, interesting you bring that up because that was something I want to ask you, like yeah. where you're at now, right? You're obviously, people know who you are, mm-hmm. right? And so how hard is it for you Right to have someone look in the eye and say, "Bill, you're fucking this up." I love that. I mean, that's what I. Those are the people that I want to have in my yeah. life, right? And I want to have people that are going to tell it to me straight, you know, whether it's good or bad. Um, and unfortunately, that's just a fact of life, you know. When you, uh, no matter what it is, whether it's uh, any industry you're in, if you're a teacher, if you're a, um, a coach, you know, the higher you get up in the ranks, uh, the more people are just going to, you know. Tell, you know, tell you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, those aren't the people you necessarily want around you in your life. And there's also, you have to realize that there's a lot of people that are in your life that are not happy for your success, mm-hmm. right? So I always say, you know, you, you, you have to be careful because an interesting study I read, it said the majority of the people we come into contact with on a daily basis are negative. Now, the study went on to say that you're never going to be able to, you know, get these people out of your life entirely. But when you're aware of who they are and what their intentions are, you negate their power, right? So when you're doing great things like you're doing, when you're, you know, shifting gears and realizing that there's more to life than just chasing, you know, the career or whatever it is, there's always going to be those people who 
are jealous, who are envious, who wish they had the courage and you know the bravery that you have. So what they do is they try to pull you down in order to build themselves up, mm -hmm. right? And those are the people you have to be careful of. Mm. How about this? Since I don't know if many of uh, many of the folks in my audience have been to any of your speaking engagements, would you mind sharing maybe one great thing uh, or one thing you learned from uh, someone you worked with that was how you want to be and then something that you learned about how you, and you don't have to name names, but just um, throw us a few, through a few bones here about your lessons. So I think, you know, one common theme around the, the top 10 people that I've met uh, who have been top of their, their industry, I think the one trait they all have in common, they all have different personalities completely, is that they're all good decision makers. And most people go through life uh, and they're indecisive. They have one foot on the pier and one foot on the boat, and they don't know whether to go out to sea or they don't know whether to stay and land, right? And they let these opportunities pass them by. The people who are in that rare air, they educate themselves and they recognize opportunities and they take advantage of those opportunities before they pass them by. Mm -hmm. When you have that analysis paralysis, right, it can be really damaging because you get to the end of your career and you look back and you have tremendous regret because you never did anything because you let fear paralyze you. And, and it's just interesting, I don't know if you knew this, but when we're born into this world, we're only born with two natural fears, right? It's the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. And every other fear we have is learned. Mm, and so many people are afraid they're going to fail. They're afraid they're going to make a mistake. They're afraid what their colleagues are going to say mm -hmm. that they never even try. And ultimately, that's the biggest failure of them all is not trying. So I think being a good decision maker, I think is very important. Um, and then as far as failures or what not to do, I think it's the power of potential. Um, I always say, you know, potential is probably the best God-given asset we have, and, and it's the most underutilized. And I really believe that when we're born, we're given a certain amount of currency in the form of potential, and, it, and it's up to us to make it grow, and it's up to us to make it multiply. But so many of us don't do anything with it because we let other people tell us what we can and cannot do, right? We believe them, right? They say, ah, yeah, you can't, you can't start a podcast. Mm -hmm. You were a traitor, mm -hmm. you know? And you're going to let those people tell you whether you can or cannot do it. And I want to share with you this story. Um, so I got to work a little bit with Joan Rivers uh, on The Apprentice for a couple of seasons. She and I were, were guest judges a couple episodes. And my wife worked with her for 12 years on a show called Fashion Police. So I got to know her over the years. And she passed away a few years ago. And she truly exemplified the power of potential. And I'll tell you why. So after her funeral, she had this funeral in New York City. It was unbelievable. It was like the funniest funeral you'll, you'll ever attend in your life. Um, and after the funeral, about a hundred of us were invited back to her apartment on Fifth Avenue. And we're at the apartment and I, and I noticed that about 80 of the hundred people there all had these little stick pins on their lapel and they were of a bumblebee. And I turned to Julianne and I said, hey, what's with all the bumblebees? She goes, you know, I don't know. Joan always, you know, said that she was like a bumblebee. And I didn't think anything of it and we stayed for another hour or so and we left. And the back of my mind, I was still thinking about Joan and the bumblebee. So we got back to our hotel room and uh, I Googled Bumblebee. And as soon as I hit enter, the first thing that popped up, I got it. You see, when you Google Bumblebee, the first thing that comes up is that the Bumblebee, by all reasonable laws of physics, was never meant to fly. Its wing to weight ratio should prohibit it from ever getting lift off from the ground. 
but no one ever told the bee that in the bee flies. You see, Joan was the bumblebee because she didn't let people tell her whether she could or could not fly. They all said, Joan, you can't host a late night TV show. You're a woman. Mm. She did it. They said, you can't sell $100 million a year with a jewelry on the home shopping network. She did it. She didn't let people put limitations on what she could or could not do. And I think ultimately that's why people fail. Mm, that's beautiful. I go goosebumps, brother. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so in wrapping this up, uh, what I like to ask my guests is what is something, you know, how are you working in? You know, what, what are you doing, right? Another way to say that is um, what are you doing to create balance in your life? How do you pull back from the doing, mm-hmm. right? I think it's a very kind of masculine energy is to be doing and creating mm-hmm. in that sense. Like how are you pulling back and, and creating balance within your life? You know, to be honest, it's a work in progress because I, you know, I went from, you know, a hundred miles an hour to, you know, 20. Yeah. So I'm still figuring that out. You know what I mean? And, and it's a fine line and I'm growing and I'm learning and, you know, talking to guys like you and, and, and getting advice, you know, from people who are in a very similar situation um, and not being afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. think that's something that I've learned uh, over these last few years, you know, is that it's okay to ask for help. You know, it's, it's actually something that you have to do in life if you want to, uh, you know, look back and, and have total fulfillment because you can't do it alone. So I'm figuring it out, you know. Um, I'm certainly, you know, trying to do more to make a difference. You know, they say, if you want to be happy, make someone else happy. And, and I really find a lot of joy in um, being able to help other people. You know, I've been to Haiti a bunch of times and done a bunch of mission trips down there. And, you know, that's kind of my boy's trip. So uh, I get, you know, five or 10 of my buddies and we we go down to Haiti and we build houses for, you know, four or five days. And um, it's pretty cool, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to, uh, you think you're changing someone's life, but actually your life is the one that's getting changed in the end. Um, so, you know, it's a fine line and, and I'm, probably going to be tooling, you know, fine tuning it for, for many, many years to come. I think that's, it's something that always is requiring adjustment. You know, it's like a, like a trim on an airplane. You're always having to try to adjust it and Mm. to get that level flight and you might get an hour of level flight, but then you gotta, you know, you're going to hit different types of air and you gotta, you gotta recalibrate a little bit. Yeah. And it's, I agree. It's a moving target, right. And it changes from day to day, week to week. And yeah, I, I will say that, and I, I pointed this out to you this summer, when you walk the loop with your shirt yeah. off, <laughs> that is a great way to do that. You get the sun get the on sun. your skin. Yeah. Yeah. I told you this very You so can't tone it, you tan it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. Sure. We'll go with that. Um, and so anyway, uh, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can go to BillRancic.com. How about that? Yeah, that's pretty easy. That's simple. Yeah. Well, brother, thank you. Yeah, thank thank you. you so much for doing this. This, this, was, this was a long time in the making, and I appreciate your, your candor yeah. and honesty, and, yeah. and, and thanks for showing up. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. For more information, please check out the show notes or head on over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events and retreats. If you liked what you heard today, click subscribe and share this with friends that might enjoy our platform. Please leave a five-star rating in iTunes as this really helps us spread our message. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BunkerCal and on Facebook as John Callahan. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon.